This is Hope and Health with Doctors Michelle and Mark Sherwood. Insights and interviews with a dose of straight talk to help you enjoy optimal health in all areas of life. Hey everyone. Hey everyone, welcome to Hope and Health. Glad you're here. I'm Dr. Michelle. And I'm Dr. Mark. And we are M&M, M&M without, without the, the sugar. sugar. Gotta love that. <laughs> hey, listen, we're pumped up to be with you. Um, certainly, we enjoy these times we have together, and we're going to cover a lot of information um, you know, in this episode and the one to come and following, and we're going to continue this foundational education we have. you know, And it's a big deal because... From a foundational standpoint, if we don't build the foundation on solid rock, it's like on sand. That's right, and, and it, it sinks. It does. And when the winds come, which is the stresses of the world, and the traumas come, which is the world in general, the house, if it's not built on a good foundation, will not stand. This is our physical body, so we're talking about resilience here. And so every day... We get up and do this thing. I mean, some days it's a little more challenging than others. We've been on this planet almost six decades. Well, I have, and she's been on it almost two, three, something like that. Uh, times two. Yeah, there you go. Um, but the bottom line is we get up every day, and we're going to go ahead and, and exercise, and we do pray, and we do read our Bible, and we do um, eat good foods, and we think about what we eat, and we work on getting sleep, we work on uh, taking vacations, we work on having date nights, and we also work very hard. Um, people say, well, how do you do all that? Uh, I don't really know sometimes. Do you? Um, I don't really know. <laughs> but we try to get it done uh, nonetheless. And uh, so... We make it a priority. Yeah, we do. And it's a big deal because like um, when we start thinking about this idea of of foundational health, we got to think about consistency, we got to think about routine, and we got to think about predictability. A lot of people that we run into, we coach them up in the sense that they're not very organized, they're not very diligent, or they're not very detailed. This is huge because you've got to be organized and detailed, or you're going to get way, way, way off course. So, in other words, when you don't have a plan, you've planned to fail. And so, we really go through a lot of detailed information in these. Um, teachings that we do so that you can really get this. So we're going to go over again and keep building on these seven pillars of health and really working through this. So um, tonight we're going to talk a little bit about uh, nutrition and kind of revisit that shortly. Uh, for sure, I think that's important. Yeah, we're also going to talk about exercise and just hit the key bullet points on that like we've done in the past. And then we'll talk about some sleep. You know, you see that there is number two, of course. We're going to revisit that very uh shortly, just in brief again. And then the fourth one is stress management. And boy, we know that stress is out of control. And if we don't manage that, it will get you into trouble and it'll land you in the doctor's office. So we're going to focus that tonight in a part two of our teaching because we really want to spend some time on stress. So we'll visit briefly nutrition, um, exercise and sleep, and then we'll dive in a little bit deeper into the area of stress management. And then next up, of course, this idea of DNA. Deoxyribonucleic acids. That is what you're made of. Then hormones. What are hormones? Hormones are signaling molecules. They're like emails. They kind of go into the cell and tell the cell specific instructions to be carried out. And boy, if hormones get out of balance, things go haywire. And certainly there's peptides, and we'll spend multiple, multiple 
teaching sessions on those because those are crazy cool, awesome. So just um, when you think about this, you think about these the seven foundational pillars. And let us not forget that we have this overarching or overriding theme that we have. We must not forget that. Here it is right here. The overriding factors, the things that oftentimes make people sick or dysfunctional are emotional health and spiritual health. When we have breakdowns in one of those two areas, boy, it drives us to do all kinds of crazy behaviors, drinking, drugging, overeating, gambling, and the list goes on. All self-destructive, of course. So we have a saying that goes something like this. You cannot pill away, pray away, exercise away, supplement away, or hormone away a bad diet. Now, what we mean by that, what we mean by that is this, is that when we do the consistent intake of the standard American diet, uh, because we're not emotionally and spiritually whole, or maybe we're broken, uh, it lands us in the doctor for all kinds of issues. So we've got to get those seven foundational right things, uh, pillars right, but we've got to also link it together with the emotional and spiritual health. If we try to separate physical, emotional, and spiritual, we're going to have a problem. As in what we have today, we've got the separation of same. Do you realize we've got uh, counselors on every corner? We certainly do. Exercise counselors, psychiatric counselors, spiritual counselors, banking counselors, and the list goes on. Yeah. Do you realize we've got pretty much uh, a gym on every corner now? It's kind of crazy. How many people use that gym, though? Oh, yeah. Except in the first two weeks of January every year. Do you realize we have churches on every corner? And how many people are attending those? I mean, it's getting crazy nuts, though, how we've segregated each one of these parts of our lives, and they were never meant to be segregated. They're meant to be together as the way our body operates. This is, when you think about the separation of physical, emotional, and spiritual health the way we've done it today, that's almost as foolish as separating the gastrointestinal system from the endocrine system, from the neurological system, from the muscular like system. Yeah, and it doesn't work. So mm-hmm. let's wake up, Thoughts people, and realize it doesn't work. So when you think about it, these overriding factors are super important. We talk a lot about emotional health and a lot about spiritual health. And, you know, in part two, we're going to talk about, you know, what does the Bible say about health? We generally have a section on that because it's super important. And when we talk about stress in just a moment, you got to think about how that deals with the emotional aspect as well. So it's really important to kind of get the idea of this uh, overall. Now, briefly, we're going to revisit this idea of these inflammatory foods because these things are the ones that we go to when we're not feeling emotionally well. Have you heard of comfort food eating? Comfort food eating. All this stuff is just inflammatory. At the top of the list, you're going to see sugars and artificial sweeteners. You know, sugars equal grains, breads, cereals, juices. Even too much fruit can cause havoc with the blood sugar system and set things in a tailspin as far as inflammation. We got to think about this whole deal when you think about the the sugars and stuff. But what about the fried foods? This is like food thrown down in hot oil and just burned to when it's completely just shriveled up and small and all the nutrients are gone. Can you imagine what that's doing to our body? Not only is it anti-nutrient, but it's also anti-food. And we shouldn't take it in and the body's going to see that as a foreign invader. So we need to avoid the fried foods. 
Then monosodium glutamate and other chemical fillers, we've got to turn the labels of everything we ingest over or what we feed our children over. Turn that label over and investigate it. If you can't understand it, perhaps the cells of your own body can't understand it either. Let's talk about processed food. Now, I want you to really think about this, folks. When we talk about processed food, processed. What does that work? Mm. That means that it's been changed from its original form. It's been mm. adulterated. So when you think about this from just a lo- logical, rational standpoint, if you change the composition of food from its original composition, doesn't that make it non-food? Non-food. Food. Unfood? Fruit? Frankenfood. Frankenfood. It does. It's not fit for human consumption. Therefore, we need to completely avoid that processed food. If you can't imagine it being in the Garden of Eden, walking around the forest, flying over the trees, growing from the trees or from the ground or from a bush or swimming by the river, you know, or in the river, it's not food. So avoid processed food. That's number four. You also want to avoid those things like sodas, excessive amounts of caffeine and alcohol. These can be toxic to the GI tract. Oftentimes when sodas are consumed in an overabundance or alcohol is consumed in an overabundance, that's an excessive amount of calories which can spin the metabolic system on its head. Upside down, put it in a tailspin, disrupt other metabolic markers. And when you think about excess caffeine and alcohol, we're, we're not saying they're bad, are we? Caffeine or alcohol? No, no, no. It's the excess. There's that big word excess there. We don't stop at the cup of coffee. We drink coffee boats. We don't usually stop at a glass of wine. We drink half bottles or full bottles and go on to the second bottle. And the, the same is true with sodas. It's gone from a, a, a can of soda to the biggie gulp, the, the mega gulp, the Bubba gulp. Super size. Super size. <laughs> it, you know, so it's just gotten out of control in the portions that we consume. And, you know, when you think about the breads and grains that we, we just saw right right here, you know, think about those for one second. Those have been genetically modified so badly that they don't get recognized by the body as normal foods. So what happens is when you take these things in, they keep in mind they've been genetically modified to create a little bit different type of crop, a crop that never existed until maybe the last hundred years. It's a crop that is grown shorter, more dense to create more yield or more potential profitability. The seeds have also been modified, these breads, these grain products, so that they will avoid the negative effects of Roundup namely the glyphosate and the atrazine and other chem- chemical compounds. And so it won't kill them, but it'll kill all the weeds around them. And again, better profitability. But let us not forget the carcinogenic activity and the estrogenic activity of the glyphosate and atrazine, respectively. When we bring those in, that will mess your gut up. And that's one of the things that I've seen that's led to this massive um, increase of cancer and increases of these autoimmune conditions led by something called leaky gut. And we'll talk about that in some future episodes and teachings for sure. Then there is yeast, soy, and corn. And we're not talking just about corn on the cob. We are talking about the adulteration of corn. It is made into different oils, canola oil, corn oil. It's also made into high fructose corn syrup. And this high fructose corn syrup is another thing that's spinning our health out of control, causes non-alcoholic fatty liver disease and 
obesity, metabolic syndrome, which leads into type 2 diabetes. So all of these things on this list are inflammatory to the young and old, disease-causing all the time. They do, and they create this problematic issue of chronic systemic inflammation. Today, in our world, unfortunately, we must understand and really reconcile this truth that the United States government actually makes those foods and genetically modifies those foods, adulterates those foods to make them more profitable when you buy them. It has nothing to do with health. In other words, profitability has superseded health, and that's a sad indictment, but just check this out. Again, this is what the foods that are that the United States government subsidizes. These things are soy, corn, wheat, things like beer, rice, milk, beef, peanut butter, and sunflower oil. These foods are predominantly what make up the standard American diet. And we know the standard American diet, S-A-D, that's sad. The standard American diet is disease-causing. It's inflammatory, and it will break the system down. Yeah, I, I think this should be categorized. We probably should take the T off of that standard American diet. Yes, because when you're on a diet, the standard American diet, <sighs> the first three letters of that word are D-I-E. Don't you feel like you're going to die when you're on a diet? Well, the standard American diet leads to self, slow self-inflicted suicide or early chronic diseases and then early death. That's why you see us talking about nutrition so much because that's why it's number one in our, in our uh, foundational seven pillars because if you miss that when everything else goes awry, it doesn't matter. Now, we've talked about what not to do. Brief reminder, here's what we should do. We want to eat a lot of anti-inflammatory foods. We want to consume high-quality proteins. Why proteins? Proteins contain amino acids, and amino acids are the building blocks of life. There are essential and non-essential amino acids. Those essential amino acids, your body doesn't make. So you got to get them from good, clean sources like organic. Organic is less sprayed with pesticides. Grass-fed, grass-finished sources of beef. They're going to have less hormones and been fed less antibiotics. Free-range and wild-caught sources of fish. You want to make sure you have healthy oils, too, as well. As you can see, um, we've got a couple types sitting there for you. Olive oil, coconut oil. You could use macadamia oil, avocado, even avocado oil. We have nuts and seeds. Make sure on the nuts and seeds you don't use the roasted variety only the plain variety because when you take the roasted variety typically it has been bathed typically in this thing right here you see that sunflower oil isn't that interesting mm -hmm. sunflower or peanut oil has been bathed in it and when it is it becomes a huge problem because it becomes part of the standard american diet so just make sure that the healthy oils and fats are actually truly healthy then low glycemic fruits these are like berries, blueberries, blackberries, boysenberries, strawberries, cherries, even oranges, semi-ripe bananas, and apples. These have a low glycemic content, meaning they don't spike blood sugar like uh, sugars, candies, cakes, and cookies do. They actually satiate a body, and it's the dessert of choice. Now make sure that you understand the next one. They're low glycemic, non-root, non-starchy veggies. When we say that, we're not talking about um, uh, things that are below the ground in this context. We're not talking about potatoes, 
um, sweet potatoes, eggplants, things of that nature, because those tend to be higher glycemic load. And that means that if you're overweight, those will drive more blood sugar, and we'll spend some time talking about insulin later on, but that'll drive more blood sugar and insulin that'll cause you to gain weight. So if you're overweight right now, over fat, over visceral fat, belly fat, make sure you keep the vegetables that you eat above the ground, like uh, salads and things like that. And when you do that, you won't drive blood sugar as much. You'll have a better chance of getting your uh, weight to come off. That is right. So these are anti-inflammatory, non-disease-causing to everyone, young and old, all the time. So we just wanted to visit briefly on nutrition. Now we're going to visit briefly and by way of review on this idea of exercise. And remember, there was a bunch of exercise types that we, we talked about. And we talked about the difference between aerobic and anaerobic exercise. Aerobic is with oxygen. Anaerobic is without oxygen. Types of aerobic ox aerobic exercise are like running, walking, swimming, cycling on a bicycle, and other types of activities that involve the utilization of oxygen. Anaerobic is that without oxygen are things like weightlifting, sprinting, your CrossFit, and even your tennis. Good stuff. And obviously people see all that and they go, okay, well, where do I start? Well, there's a great place to start. We, we wanted to give you a great start to exercise. So again, revisiting this principle, here is where you're going to start. Practical ways to begin. Just start walking around the block, around the building, around your neighborhood. And then at work, you might park the car further away from the office and walk. You might take the stairs. Things that you can do at work are perhaps get a standing desk. You can go from sitting to standing during the day. You can also put, you know, a set of pedals, like a pedal bike underneath your desk and do something like we call the, the 20 and 2 rule where mm -hmm. you sit for 20 and move for 2. Sit, move, sit, move. Now, if you're going from sitting to standing in that 20 and 2 minute rule, that's a lot of standing and squatting. So by the end of mm -hmm. the day, you've actually done a lot of leg exercises just by participating in the 20 and 2 rule. And as we say, you don't want to start with a big goal. You want to set small weekly goals, perhaps 80 to 100 minutes a week of walking or moving or 20 and 2 rule. Just get more movement in your sitting because sitting is the new smoking. And we got to get blood, oxygen, and nutrients to the tissue or we're not detoxifying. We're not turning over tissue like we should. We're not getting the nutrients that we need to make this system healthy. Now, remember, 100 minutes a week is not enough. I mean, are we saying that that's enough? No. Um, I read a study recently that said, and this is crazy true, that if we exercise for 10 minutes a day, that may save 100,000 people's lives per year. Now, Just 10 minutes. 10 wow, minutes that's... a day. And it didn't specify what it was. So or this was time? sort of this yeah. accelerated um, estimated study they looked at with activity for about 12 years and obviously it's it's a projection but if that's even halfway true imagine what that can do to your own life when you exercise 10 minutes a day the american heart association one of the things that i agree with them on which is one of a few not all they recommend 150 minutes of moderate intensity exercise per week or 75 minutes of high intensity exercise per week we say you want to do both of those, and you want to mix in three days a week of weight training as well. And when you do that, we feel like you're going to be covering the pathway sufficiently. Now, we also talked about, you know, I think in the last 
couple of teaching sessions about this idea of sleep. So just a real quick revisitation of that for sure. That's important um, about some principles you want to get because sleep truly is the missing link. You want to get seven to eight hours of sleep a night. You got to go through 90 minute cycles to make sure you're going through all of the phases of sleep to ensure that you're waking up well rested. It's a big deal. So, you know, seven, eight hours is not that bad. You got to think about this. One of the things that we've done, we've got wearable technology. You can, there's a lot of that out there that you can measure sleep. But really, when you want to get some good night's sleep, you got to practice good sleep hygiene habits, like um, turning off the, the, the lights appropriately, but getting a hot shower, maybe an Epsom salts bath, turning the temperature down low, that's super important. And you want to uh, be aware of blue light, how much exposure you have to the blue lights around. And then finally, you want to understand cortisol. Uh, cortisol is a stress hormone. So when you're stressed out, you will produce cortisol. When you produce cortisol, you won't produce the other hormone, which is a sleep hormone called melatonin. And that would be a bad thing. So if you if you wake up in the middle of the night or not sleeping well, you're going to produce this thing called cortisol, which is is troubling, and that's a problem because, stress, stress, stress. you know, stress, stress, stress. And then, um, so that kind of covers the idea of these seven pillars that we've talked about. And when you think about this, there they are one more time to look at the seven pillars. Nutrition, sleep, stress management, movement, DNA, hormones, and peptides. We revisited briefly nutrition, sleep, and stress, and, and movement. Now we're going to jump in, in part two of our teaching to this idea of of stress management because there's a ton of stuff there and we really hope you get this because these seven pillars are super super key to get foundationally so we're going to go over these and keep building from these and then after we talk about you know stress management we'll hit a section eventually on dna hormones and peptides specifically as a reminder we want you to go to that link right down there beginning with sherwood.tv a special link just for you for all of our viewers right here and we want you to get um, our free ebook. Make sure you do that. Make sure you also avail yourself to our brand new course, Health Secrets Exposed. And we want you to be a part of this wonderful health movement, the health revolution as we call it. And we love to be part of your lives. Doctors Mark and Michelle Sherwood and their clinic can help you find the hope and health you were created to enjoy. Go to Sherwood.tv for clear, proven ways you can be healthier. Subscribe at Sherwood.tv.